Hello and welcome to another episode of the Prop Swap Podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of Prop Swap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got another great episode for you. Uh, we are joined by the CEO of the BetSports Group, Reed Rooney, uh, who will be joining us for an interview as, long, as well as some uh, stake or swap picks. And uh, we'll just hop right into it. Reed, thank you so much for joining us this week. I appreciate you having me on. I was wondering what took so long, but uh, finally got the call from Luke. Appreciate that. Yep, yep. Um, you know, first and foremost, we had to talk about some sales, but uh, no, there's a ton of people, uh, and you were definitely the top of at the top of our list that we wanted to talk to. Um, and I think that's a good actually uh, segue into my first question, which was, you know, we met back all the way in 2019 uh, when you were still working uh, in uh, the kind of a construction equipment uh, industry uh, for uh, Stanley, um, Stanley Black and Decker. Um, and I believe we met in Vegas at the Westgate uh, and you had a prototype uh, for BetsBirds at the time, but had not fully launched it. Um, what was the idea or impetus for starting uh, the company BetsBirds? Yeah, it's a great question. 2019 feels like a lifetime ago, right? It's a, uh, pandemic ago, maybe two pandemics ago, a bank failure a few ago, like it's been a lot that's happened since 2019, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think my co-founder Austin and I looked at uh, kind of the emerging markets of what I would call our generations, crypto, cannabis, and sports betting. And I didn't know a whole lot about all any of them and as an industry at that point, but I knew the most about sports betting. I knew it was very, very social. Uh, and I think that from everything I read and everything that we did our research on, uh, I don't think the social aspect of sports betting had been talked a lot, of, a lot about. And I think you see it all the time with group parlays now or people betting together or betting and fading other folks. Uh, I, I just think it's a very, very social act uh, when you do it responsibly, you do it for entertainment purposes. And so uh, we went out to build a platform that uh, was a home for people to talk about sports betting, they could build up their own profile and become a micro or macro influencer in sports betting. And I think we've learned a lot in those those years, but uh, the, the start of it was really on the premise of sports betting is social. Uh, it hasn't been fully legalized in the state yet. And a lot of technology is a little, uh, a little behind um, uh, investment side of it because not as many people are willing to touch it. So uh, we were excited to go and, and try and get some uh, sports bettors to sign up for our profile or platform and get some early feedback. Hence why we connected with PropSwap and some of the, I'd say the influencer, the Twitter influencers at that time. Uh, and still to this time, to this day, there, there are a lot out there, but, uh, it was uh, a really good learning and uh, a very profitable, uh, journey for myself as a prop swap customer, uh, that, that started in 2019 too. That's right. Yeah. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that, but, um, obviously the, the company has evolved in a ton of different ways since, since we met in 2019, but I guess just for the listeners, can you explain what you know, BetSperts is at its core, kind of what that that first product is that obviously you've, you've iterated on, but what's kind of the core of, of, of BetSperts? Yeah, absolutely. The, the core originally started as a sports betting uh, social media platform where you could track your picks uh, and you can't delete your picks. You can't edit them. You can't change the line. Uh, you can't put a hundred unit whale play or anything along those lines. 
uh, it was trying to be as accurate as possible, but it, it, it was very, very detailed. So, uh, for example, I'm a huge, huge White Sox fan. So if I bet the White Sox to beat the Boston Red Sox or cover the spread, which they never do, because it's terrible. <laughs> uh, but if I bet that and I got it correct, I would have gone 1-0 in all sports, in MLB, in AL Central, AL East, in Red Sox, and in White Sox. So you can start to look at the leaderboard and see, okay, this is an SEC expert, or this is a uh, White Sox expert, or this is uh, someone that's really bad at all betting, but specializes in the EPL or whatever it is, right? So everyone has some level of knowledge on a team. Uh, most people have a, a, some level of knowledge on a team, a division, or an overall sport, but they might not have it for all of it, right? So we tried to go and, and find people where you could connect and say, this is my White Sox better, and this is for you, and maybe the Denver Broncos better, right? So trying to trying to figure out um, how to get real, actual non-inflated information to as many of the people as possible. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you could, you could have a, uh, you know, it's Tuesday night Maction. One guy could be good at Maction and then it's Wednesday night NBA. One guy, another guy could be NBA. So you're not having to follow the, the, the same, the same uh, person. But uh, Luke, did you uh, have a question? Yeah. I, I agree with the thesis that sports betting is social and I'll be honest. I don't think we've even scratched the surface of how social this can get. It is all, still taking place in text group chats like who do we like tonight boys and there's a 20 guy or girl of course group chat and everyone just picking and they're not using a platform so i think there's still so much monetization and getting that you know apple iMessage group text onto a platform i still think that's there's so much of that to come but until we get there you guys have made a lot of acquisitions talk about you know maybe the most popular one um you know you acquired bleacher nation chicago-based um media company and you know just talk about some of the acquisitions you've made how that came to be I, I, there's never in a million years you know i don't want to bury the headline here but an acquisition you made like if you would have said six years ago that you'd acquire this guy's company i mean that's that's stuff that dreams are made of so just talk about that you know vertical that you've kind of found yeah, we've made four. We made four acquisitions and started a new platform all in a span of eighteen months. So let's call it five acquisitions. One was uh, organically starting one. Uh, it was it was back in the days where uh, I looked a little younger and had a little less gray hair. Uh, but we acquired first Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life app, uh, and he came on as a board member and was a was a, a absolute um, wonderful addition to having around our team. Uh, and his influence and his kind of network and community. Uh, but it's the largest social media app dedicated to fantasy football. Uh, and uh, I'll drop some knowledge here for you. It's not entirely public yet, but it can be tonight. I think in the next six months or so, you'll see a pretty heavy integration of Betsperts and Fantasy Life on the app side. So we're really excited about what that brings finally now that both apps are very stable and have been built efficiently and, and in a really good place. So uh, I think the communities will merge and, and make it a little bit more social for fantasy and betting combined. Very excited about it. Uh, then we went uh, and thought around the process of, A, just being an affiliate is a difficult business unless you have a lot of websites with really strong SEO or regional uh, regional SEO. Uh, and so we went in and looked at some high retention subscription platforms. Four for Four and Dynasty League Football were the next two acquisitions. They're both 
the highest retention subscription businesses I've run across uh, in the entire industry. And uh, they're very, very good fantasy football and betting subscriptions where they're helping you with tools, rankings, advice, uh, helping you win your fantasy league, helping you win your dynasty league or, or being more profitable betting. Um, so we wanted to go and make sure that we had another area of revenue that supplements the, or complements the, um, the affiliate side of the business. Uh, also, I think being an affiliate, you're a little dependent on state launches and legislation, right? Uh, if there's no pandemic, we can predict pretty, pretty well what our subscription business is going to be during the NFL draft for Dynasty League during August, September for uh, 4 4. We also started Betsports Golf. We wanted some more uh, subscription business in the offseason, so it wasn't so NFL dependent. We find golf users, betters, fantasy players uh, to be very, very high LTV users because uh, golf is, if you haven't done it yet, it is one of the most fun sports to bet on. It's majority of the year when football's not on. Uh, and uh, it's, it's it's a fairly untapped market uh, at the moment, and it's growing quite heavily. I'm sure you guys on Saturdays and Sundays have a lot of tickets moving and flying. So uh, I think we actually saw some of that on a prop swap, and we're like, yeah, there's, there's interest and it's going to grow here. Uh, and then lastly, as you mentioned, we acquired Bleacher Nation, because I think if you look at our business as a funnel with affiliate conversion being the bottom, subscription maybe being the level above that maybe it's our media properties with social media our podcasts our youtubes being above that we were missing kind of the top of the funnel free sports media business and bleacher nation is an incredible incredible platform with really strong seo very loyal sticky users for a free website uh and uh helps us live in top stories and and get a sports betting affiliate side of the business so uh it was just a really nice addition we've since then relaunched the website to to be a bit more modern uh as well as expanded into fantasy nfl we'll do some nba coverage not just chicago anymore uh but making a, a bit more of a national brand so um yeah i mean i, th- I think it's interesting that, you know, the, I think the acquisitions, like you were saying, help for user acquisition um, in terms of the affiliate model. Um, but you guys have also made a, a big push into the content space. Um, most notably, I would say with with the Deep Dive podcast. I mean, that was pretty early on, if I, if I remember correctly. I mean, that was you guys uh, kind of became, uh, you know, the main sponsor slash, you know, uh, hired those guys to, to come work for you. What was the what's the strategy behind all of the the content um, and, you know, is there, are you trying to stay regional or, you know, just kind of be more, um, focused on either fantasy or sports betting and, and kind of stay in those, those two lanes? Yeah. The deep dive is an interesting one. So we actually acquired that before any of the properties that I just mentioned and Andy and the whale, if you haven't listened, not only are they just fantastic gambling listens and educational, uh, educational podcast for gamblers, but they are entertaining as hell. <laughs> they are very funny and uh, good. Good just, rapport with each other too, right? Like, I mean, I think that's a number one thing of having a podcast is the two hosts yeah. having rapport. Yeah, yeah. You should see them. You should see them after a couple of a couple of whiskeys at some point. They're, they're fantastic. But honestly, they uh, oh, some of their podcasts they probably have had a couple of whiskeys. Yeah. So I know that for a fact. Uh, <laughs> but the, they do a lot of live content too, and we thought very early on, hey, we're just user generated content. We're just social media. Uh, that was kind of the, the line that we were drawing uh, and we were letting our users talk to each other. But for us, 
we started to look around and, and saw most of our competitors, if not all of our competitors that have been more established in, across the world, had their own content to some degree. And so I think we have found growing content from the ground up is much more difficult than trying to find the right piece to fit in uh, and help grow with your, your audience already. So I think from our side, uh, the Deep Dive was a very, very coveted podcast. Those guys are fantastic. And it was the start of our journey. Now we have 15 million podcast downloads slash YouTube views a year uh, and over a million social followers from, from our content websites and stuff. So continuing to grow that audience and footprint. Yeah. Uh, shameless plug. I read Andy Molitor's um, rap, like NFL rap every says like Monday afternoon or something. It's hysterical. It is a great time. If you've missed any games, you want to understand like what happened in that, you know, Bengals game. Like he does a great job of weaving in humor and like a intelligent summary of, of the games every Monday. So it's awesome. And uh, we've got to meet him a couple of times. He is one of the best at uh, blending humor with intelligent analysis and that's kind of rare it's usually kind of one or the other um so and then you mentioned competitors that you guys have and analyzing your footprint and your you know roadmap versus theirs like who do you compare yourself to like in a perfect world like we kind of compare ourselves to subhub or ebay at scale like who who would you compare betsperts to who do you guys strive to be it's a really, really good question. I think the, the competition question or who are your competitors get asked all the time. I think each individual brand has a competitor. Their own set. Yeah, I think it's tougher when you look at an entire organization. Uh, if affiliates are largest business, clearly Better Collective, Katina, Gambling.com, uh, it, it, those are some of the very, very strong groups that have an American presence, right? Uh, and I think from, from our side, we like to look at it uh, property by property because if you look at publicly traded companies that big, you can kind of get lost in your focus. And so um, uh, I know XL Media has done some of the acquisition side of the business as well uh, and is a great company in the affiliate business. So you could look at that kind of comparison to some level, but I think we are a bit more heavy on subscription side of the business, right? So you start to look at uh, some of the competitors and you can pick and choose from kind of each of the affiliates or the sports media businesses. Uh, but really what we're trying to do is, is make sure that we have traffic all year round that is high retention or loyal traffic. Uh, we find it much more expensive to go get a user a second or a third or a fourth time. Uh, if you get them first and you provide them good content, uh, or one time and you provide them good content, they hopefully continue to come back. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think this the subscription business is is a fantastic business and probably a better business than the affiliate business. Just um, you know, that I, I don't have any solid to back that up. But speaking of kind of competitors, I mean, I remember when uh, when when you first showed me that prototype. I mean, my first thought was like, well, this all happens on Twitter, right? Like people post their picks on Twitter, and this kind of gives a more this is a more organized feel uh, to it, but. Um, you know, Luke, I mentioned it all happens in group chats, but I think a lot of the sports betting picks advice happens on Twitter. Obviously, they're trying to go subscription model uh, here as well. But was that a, any was that a pushback you got early on? And in, in terms of like, you know, what makes the you know we talk social, like what makes this better or different than than Twitter? And if so, like how were you able to to overcome that? Yeah, you guys are in the venture business as well, and fundraising. I think five years ago it was a little bit different where. The environment was, hey, if you can get a user, it doesn't really matter. 
how you're going to monetize them today, you'll figure it out, right? That was a little bit of the attitude. So uh, when I look at Twitter as a competitor or X, whatever you want to call it these days, uh, absolutely. Anywhere where people are talking about gambling, that's a competitor. Uh, whether it's group chats, whether it's uh, whether it's any of our actual gambling competitors, or if it's Reddit, like these are all incredible platforms that have their audience, and we would love to have as many of them as possible. Clearly, uh, but I think the the striving for information and the user profiles and kind of the expertise. The, the fact that you can't delete pics and everything on there is authentic is a little bit of a different uh, a differentiator for us. Uh, we have to continue to communicate. That's an advantage we have. But for us, it's a great way to understand what you like to bet. What's a, a great way to understand that, hey, you are a real, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you're a real shitty White Sox better because I always bet yeah. with my heart, right? Uh, so, hey, here's a, White, here's a White Sox bet for you with an odds boost when you have those types of situations. Uh, so I, I think for us, the information we gather on actual betting in history is a little bit different and a little bit more authentic. But anywhere people are talking about sports betting and it's not on BetSperts or talking about fantasy, it's not on Fantasy Life or paying for a subscription, we view all of that as competitors, but we really just got to make sure we're executing on our, our plans and strategies. Um, and then, you know, before we, uh, wrap this up, um, you know, so something we don't talk about, I feel like enough on this podcast is more of like the business side of things and the startup side of things. Um, you know, we kind of focus more on sports betting, but, um, you know, as Luke and I are, are, are founders, you're a founder. Um, I'm always super curious about like, you know, during the early days, was there kind of like a, an assumption or, or preconceived notion that you had about this business you were going to start that you ended up being like, totally wrong about and you know not not a bad way but that that's just that's going to happen multiple times um you know i i'm, I'm I, I have mine for for prop swap but was there something that you kind of in the early days thought like oh this is for sure going to be the case and then you ended up being wrong about it and, and then overcame it yeah uh i might go general and just on entrepreneurship in all honesty so i studied entrepreneurship in college i got a master's in it it was going to happen at some point um and you watch shark tank and it's wonderful and all that right uh, I don't think many people prepare you for how hard it is uh, or how lonely it can be, honestly. Uh, and just besides children or family, you just never care about anything more than you care about the, the day to day and you can't turn your brain off. So uh, I think uh, I was a little naive going into how difficult it is and, and how much emotional energy it will take. Uh, I think the industry, uh, when I started, I didn't know that you need an affiliate license is to, to become an affiliate, right? Like so many small things are like how to monetize on an app versus subscription or a website. There's just so much that you learn. I think the, the aspect is you're going to be wrong a thousand times. You just have to make decisions and then you have to move on and, and make the next best decision and learn for it. Right. Uh, I say, if I could start a company five years ago today with my knowledge today, or sorry, five years ago with my knowledge today, uh, I, it, it would have been a very different path and a very different journey. Um, but I, I genuinely think when, whenever you're a first time entrepreneur, you're going to learn more than you'll learn almost the rest of your career. Uh, and you'll think back three, four five years, like, why did we do that? Holy cow. I would never do that again. Or you're really proud of that. And so, uh, I think this industry has been wonderful, uh, because we've seen the skyrocketing, we've seen the plummeting and now I think it's leveling out and, and people are really understanding it. And we're still in such an early stage because iGaming is going to be the biggest, one of the biggest booms uh, of a growing market you can have whenever legislation happens. Uh, 
but overall, I just think if people really understood the, the stresses behind entrepreneurship, um, there you'd just be a little bit more cautious. I highly encourage it to anyone who can do it uh, or is willing to do it or wants to try it. It's one of the best, most rewarding things you'll ever do, but it's just harder than I ever thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned Shark Tank. And I remember as a kid watching that and guys like Cuban or, or, or uh, Damon would be like, you know, if I know what I know now, I, may, I probably would have started my business. And I was a kid watching that being like, that's, that's crazy. Like, like that's, that's insane. You guys are, you know, multi, multi-millionaires, you know, billionaire case of Cuban. And now as an entrepreneur, I'm kind of like, yeah, I could, I could maybe see where they're, where they're coming from. But, uh, and then, uh, you mentioned what, you know, wife and kids, when people ask me if I'm married or have kids, I go, yeah, I'm, I'm married to Luke and my baby is pro- and my kid is prop swap. Um, but <laughs> my co-founder has three young kids, uh, yeah. and is an amazing father and husband. I don't know how he does it. My wife and I have a cat and sometimes it's, uh, it's just, <laughs> it's just too much. I don't, I don't know how he does it. It's, it's quite incredible, but, uh, I think for him, family is getting away from it. That's when he can turn it off a little bit. Uh, and then the kids go to sleep and <laughs> all the stress comes back. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly on that. And I, I talked to Austin maybe more than I talked to my wife. So, yeah. Um, and then, uh, all right, last, last question. Um, just kind of looking forward, um, obviously, so you've made a big push into fantasy, obviously a big push with the golf, uh, you know, uh, Congratulations for the uh, for the coming up uh, integration of the uh, of the two products. But as you look forward, um, are there any sort of verticals that you think uh, could be interesting? I know you just mentioned iGaming. Um, would that be kind of the number one thing that uh, people should be maybe paying attention to in the next you know three to five years? Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting because the world is going to change more in the next three to five years besides with the pandemic, then I think in a three to five year span of my lifetime, honestly, with AI and uh, the expectation and what new social media is doing and, and influencer world and creation of content and world conflicts. I, I think the next three to five years would be crazy. Uh, for us, what is going to be the most profitable part of sports betting? Any legislation that uh, uh, is positive for iGaming, clearly, I, I don't think there's a question in that. Um, I think gambling companies, uh, operators will understand a lot more on the LTV of an actual sports better, the second, the third, the fourth season, uh, as people continue to progress in their careers, hopefully have a little bit more discretionary income, uh, and you find out what that LTV is and where the brand loyalty actually is. Uh, but for me, if I was looking at businesses, it would be good, uh, good, strong, stable traffic. I think if you have traffic that you don't have to go out and pay for continuously, whether it's your content or however you're paying for it, but you don't have to go market to continue to get the same person over and over again is very interesting. I I very strongly believe in SEO and what that is going to continue to do uh, with good quality content. uh, That could be AI, that could be human written content, but making sure it's good, helpful content like Google talks about. I think that's interesting. And then you look at, Excuse me, you look at the emerging markets of Texas and California, there's going to be a gold rush in those two states if it ever happens. So how are we positioning ourselves in three years, five years, when the market is turned around, uh, hopefully a little bit on the M&A side? How are we positioning ourselves to have the most value to a potential acquirer? But in the meantime, make sure we're operating a very, very successful, stable uh, growing business uh, that is as EBITDA positive as possible for the next few years, and I think that's going to give yourself a lot, uh, a lot more. Uh, you give your company a lot more options and the kind of directions. 
And if I said 12 months from now, I would have any idea what AI was going to be doing in our normal life. I, I don't yet, uh, but I definitely don't in 24 or 36 months, but you got to be prepared for it. Yeah. I mean, um, if AI has made an impact on anything so far, one of the big things would be content, right? So I'm sure you are actively exploring how, how you can, um, you know, leverage that for, for all, all the content, uh, you do. So, um, if Luke, did you have any, any other questions or, uh, shall we get into some other stable businesses, uh, in stake or swap? Yeah, no, let's get into it. I think this will be a fun, uh, stake or swap. Anytime we have a guest on and he can kind of bring his third opinion into things, this will be fun. First all right. of all, I, I, hold on, let me jump in here. Luke gave a little, uh, shout out to one of our newsletters from Andy, but I, I'll tell you, from knowing you guys for four or five years here and seeing the prop swap journey and all that for those who are listening, you're probably customers or how else you're finding this or, you know, it, but I can't speak highly enough of prop swap, giving other betters, other options, right? Uh, you look at cash outs and cash outs are, are not great. Uh, clearly we understand the math behind that. Uh, but the, the opportunity to get paid on a bet that doesn't win doesn't really exist elsewhere. Uh, and I think it's a, a great service that you guys are doing. I think it's a great product. And uh, I, as a successful prop swapper, uh, I guess, a prop swap I don't know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I, uh, I, I can't speak highly enough. It's not just because I'm on this platform or on this program right now. I would say this at a bar uh, with buddies as well. So uh, well done to you too. And, and hopefully it continues to grow. Well, we, we appreciate that and we appreciate you staying on for, for this uh, interview. But um, yeah, how about you uh, impart some of your wisdom from uh, your successful prop swapping uh, coming up here in, in stake or swap? First up, we will be talking a little uh, NFL MVP award. A um, couple players, uh, but first we're going to talk Lamar Jackson, uh, currently eight to one at points bet, uh, coming off uh, a loss against uh, Cleveland when they were up 14 in the fourth quarter uh, through kind of a bad pick six there. Um, but I will go first. I am staking uh, Lamar Jackson uh, to win MVP. He's currently six to one at FanDuel plus 350 at DraftKings. So just off the jump, I think eight to one at points bet is, is good value. He's third in completion percentage, fifth in yards per attempt, which I love that stat for uh, uh, a key to success. Obviously, he's not going to rack up the passing yards, but he's, you know, a top running back. Uh, you know, uh, if you would stack him against the other, other running backs. Last week, this was before the, the uh, Browns loss. Albert Breer of SI.com did a mid-season awards poll with NFL executives. Of the 39 votes that were submitted, Lamar received 23 for MVP. The next highest was Patrick Mahomes with five. So uh, clearly he's on the mind of, of these executives, and I think he'll be on the mind of voters. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, as we talked about on the pod last week with NBA awards, um, playing in primetime in front of a national audience is a huge factor when it comes to awards voting. Of the Ravens' seven remaining games, at least four of them will be on prime time. You got this Thursday versus the Bengals, at the Chargers next Sunday night, at Jacksonville Sunday night week 15, at the 49ers Monday night week 16, and then they could potentially get flexed on week 18 to that Sunday night spot against the Steelers. I could see that game having some sort of meaning for one or both teams. So uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for Lamar to play in front of a primetime audience, and so uh, for those reasons, I am staking 
uh, Lamar. Um, Luke, we'll uh, we'll go with you next. Are you staking or swapping uh, Lamar? Yeah, um, I'm going to swap Lamar and we'll get to my pick for MVP. But just specifically talking about Lamar, first of all, if you can grab him at eight to one at points bet and he's plus 350 on DraftKings, go do that now and post it on PropSwap. Like we absolutely would sell Lamar tickets at five to one, at six to one, even seven to one. That's that's arbitrage. I mean, that is risk free profit that will move before this weekend. So obviously the counterpoint to the Albert Breer um you know report would be look they they were hot i mean the ravens were were white hot coming into this weekend but browns punched them in the mouth this weekend and for them to do that in baltimore uh that was that was a huge win by cleveland so um yeah i'll i'll get to who i like better but those would just be my two points is yes you can get them at eight to one i would flip that this week uh, but then just the counter would be yeah that was you know i think going into this past weekend he was the front runner but uh cleveland gutted it out and you know brought it to him so I'll swap uh, swap Lamar at eight to one. All right, uh, and then Reed, I, I I left you third because I wanted to uh, you know build up the suspense for your uh, your most famous prop swap sale, which included this guy Lamar Jackson. But uh, for this year, are you staking or swapping Lamar? Yeah, I'll tell you the story first. I'm not going to not pat myself on the back. I was sitting next to Ian in a sports book, uh, sewer book, I think, and uh, I was having one of the most successful NFL Sundays I've ever had. Uh, and I had a couple of cocktails. Let's throw it out there. Lamar threw five touchdown passes in the first week of the season. I looked at the next four games, and they were against garbage teams, so I turned to Ian and I said, you got any Lamar tickets? And uh, bought it right next to him at that point. It was incredible. And uh, I bought it for maybe a couple hundred bucks, and it was worth a lot more by the end of the season. But I will say the end of the year bias, primetime bias is a big thing because I remember that year Russell Wilson was going to be the MVP, and his stats were just garbage. And he played, he got an overtime win on a Thursday night game, I think that year. And he drove down for a game winning field goal, whatever it was, but he only had like 200 yards and a touchdown. And everyone was talking about an MVP uh, performance because they won. So if you think Lamar in prime time at the end of the year is going to win, you should do it. And I think he's going to, and I think they're going to be a very, very good team at the end of the year. So I would uh, stake Lamar uh, partially because I can't go against them anymore, but uh, I, I think there's genuine value there, especially at eight to one. Um, if you see them at six to one, Fanduel, right? So eight to one of points, but I think is a, a really good play there, and I think it really will come down to three, four games towards the end of the year where uh, he's on prime time, and are they going to be a top seed or are they going to be middle of the pack? Yeah, obviously the caveat caveat is he has to perform well on those prime time games, but Correct. the first step is to have that is to have that platform, and I think. The, the Russ game you're talking about was a Sunday night game where like Chris Collinsworth, had, he had said how Russ had not ever received a vote for MVP. And then it was like, and he, had a, he, he won the game and, and he was hot. Yeah, he was he was like the favorite for a couple of weeks, but then he, he kind of tailed off. Um, all right, next player we're going to talk about for uh, NFL MVP is the rookie sensation, CJ Stroud, coming off a huge win uh, in Cincinnati. Um you know, just really impressive all the way around. Uh, they lost the lead, but then he came back for the for the game winning field goal. Currently twenty five to one to win MVP at DraftKings. Uh, Luke, we will start with you first. Are you staking or swapping CJ Stroud? Yeah. Um, so I am going to stake CJ Stroud, and I will admit Dan Orlovsky just a week ago went on a rant saying that Stroud should be in the MVP race and i kind of chuckled watching him say that like all these guys in espn just blurred stuff out for content and like the purpose is to go viral but after this win 
Like the Bengals, they were not only just like a hot team, they were the hottest team in the NFL. I mean, they were just like everyone was acting. They came off the Bills uh, game last Sunday night, you know, basically dismantling Buffalo and kind of proving that they are, um, you know, to me, like they were they were just guns blazing coming into this game. So for CJ Stroud to do that in comeback fashion, like I think he's got to be in the mix. Am I saying bet the house at 25 to 1? I'm not, but like sprinkle some of your futures portfolio on cj and obviously the spirit of the segment is buy low sell high so sprinkle some at 25 to 1 he's 12 to 1 at bet rivers right now i mean that that to me seems silly but 25 to 1 20 to 1 seems like the right number and um their next four games are jacksonville denver new york jets tennessee so three out of those i'm sorry and arizona next week so that's the next five that's a one loss in those next five games, I would say. Maybe Jacksonville, maybe Tennessee, but should take care of Denver. should take care of the New York Jets. The Jets stink, and the Cardinals stink. They obviously got Kyler back. But at the end of this month, they could be 9-5. and five. So, um, you know, it's it's worth a sprinkle, in my opinion. Uh, Mr. Rooney, are you staking or swapping uh, Stroud? You know, it's interesting here because I do agree with Luke. I think if he keeps playing well, the value will go up, which is hence the, the value of prop swap. And I just talked about bet doesn't have to win to uh, to cash. I am going to sell that, though, or uh, swap. I apologize. I'm going to swap that because uh, I just don't think there's a chance in hell that uh, a rookie wins the MVP, especially on a team that doesn't uh, that doesn't win a whole lot and realistically uh they're outperforming clearly but i i just don't think there's much of a future there i will tell you if i was to to make a play on it i would probably put cj stroud plus 450 to lead the league in passing uh i think he's on pace for 48 4900 yards he's only getting better the team's getting better uh, like uh, that feels like a better play to me for the outcome of an end win. Uh, but I do think in the next couple of weeks, his value is going to go up. You just have to uh, sell it at the right time. So uh, for me, I'm only going to swap it because I would rather put it on him at 450 plus 450 to lead the league in passing. I, 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 I like that a little, a uh, little bonus there pick for, for everyone. Um, I am swapping CJ Stroud as well. Uh, obviously, I just gave my case for for Lamar, but the other thing too is he's going to win Rookie of the Year, um, and I think that's going to be the way for voters to to reward him. Um, you know, about a month ago, I talked about liking the Texans to win the AFC South and D'Amico Ryan's to win Coach of the Year. So I think if Stroud wins Rookie of the Year and and Ryan's wins Coach of the Year, that's going to make voters feel like okay, we're rewarding this this team. I mean. As recently as October 29th, Stroud was 200 to one to an MVP. So, Crazy. you know, I'm not so sure how many tickets are out there on him at 200 to one or, or triple digits like that. But if I'm holding one of those tickets, this is a great, I think, sell high opportunity. And so, if you are holding on to one of those CJ tickets from a couple weeks ago, I would I would stress selling those uh, now. I would stake 200 to one. I would swap. Uh, uh, 25 to one. So yeah. if someone does that, that's very impressive and, and great foresight. Yeah. We can just go back and re-record from uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago and uh, we'll throw that in there. Um, all right. Uh, staying on player awards, but switching sports. Let's talk a little Heisman. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. Currently plus 475 to win the Heisman trophy at DraftKings. Uh, it's him and a bunch of quarterbacks. Um but Reed, we will start with you. Are you staking or swapping uh, Maserati Marv, as uh, Gus Johnson likes to call him? 
Yeah, as a uh, Notre Dame fan and being at that game, it was a heartbreak against Ohio State. It pains me to say this, but I am uh, staking Marvin Harrison Jr. to win the Heisman at plus 475. The reason being they play uh, Minnesota next week. And Minnesota, if you just watch versus Purdue, gave up 49 points to a two-win Purdue team. Uh, I'm always happy to see P.J. Fleck as a former Chippewa and he coached at Western Michigan. I'm very happy to see him unhappy on the sidelines. Uh, but I think he's going to have a big week this week. It really comes down to the Michigan game, right? Uh, I like Ohio State over Michigan and might be one of the few. Uh, but uh, for me, I, I think there are very few times – a Heisman doesn't get into the playoff. Uh, I know it happened just last year, right? Uh, but it was a ridiculous quarterback year, right? So you look at it, the rest of them usually get in the playoff. Uh, I don't think Bo Nix is going to get in there. I do think Michael Pennis Jr. has some value, uh, but he's got uh, a tough game for Oregon State coming up and such. And I, I like Ohio State over Michigan, uh, Michigan coming up. So if that happens and Harrison has a couple strong performances, especially here against a weak team coming up, his value is only going to go up. He's got the name, he's got the brand, and he's going to be a top couple pick. So ratings-wise would be fantastic. And uh, I think that does play into it a little bit, in all honesty. So it fits the narrative for me, uh, but I am staking – Marvin Harrison Jr. to win the Heisman. Um, Luke, we'll uh, we'll go with you next. Are you, are you staking or swapping uh, Marvin Harrison? Yeah, this is one of the most difficult Heisman races to handicap that I can recall since starting PropSwap. Like, this is one of our big tentpole events that we sell a lot of tickets on PropSwap. So Ian and I spent a lot of time trying to handicap this and give advice to people. Super tough. I will... I'll swap Marvin Harrison just because I still lean Michael Penix to win this. Um, and it could be him or Bo Nix. And flip a coin, who's going to win that Pac-12 championship? You know, if they play each other, um, Oregon and Washington. I will be it's a rematch, obviously. Um, so yeah, it's super interesting. Jaden Daniels, the uh, LSU quarterback, he, before last week, wasn't he was barely on the board. He was like a hundred to one. Like I don't even think you could bet him. I was talking to a, a, a ACC guy. We were just talking about like candidates. He was like fifteenth. Jaden Daniels was. He's down to plus three seventy. So clearly the odds makers don't even know how to handicap this thing. So super, super interesting scenario. Like I said, I'd, I would swap it just because I'd lean Michael Penix, but I could totally see any three of those quarterbacks winning. I would probably scratch off Jane Daniels, but at plus 370, clearly bookmakers must know something I don't know. Hey, Luke, the, the one thing I'll add there for Penix, the only way he wins, the only way is if he beats – I think it's Oregon State next week, who's 10th in the country, and Oregon. Agreed. Got to rattle them both off. Those are two huge, huge games. And if they can win both, I think that's a favorite. That's 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 tough to handicap this far uh, in the future a little bit because they're so so difficult. And I, I understand why the odds are moving. But, yeah, if they win both, he would be the front runner, I think. Um, I, I will stake Marvin Harrison, but only because I think there's some value there at, at plus 475. And I think he can make his way uh, six, into six the second – He's, he's, he's six, six to one, one in FanDuel, yeah. Six to one in FanDuel, sorry. I, some of my odds are, are outdated because uh, uh, Colorado, it's, uh, you cannot bet on the on the Heisman. But, um, but I, I, Reed, I, I agree with you that it will come down to the Michigan game. Uh, I'm a, a kind of a Michigan fan, grew up as a Michigan fan, and so I think Michigan will win that game, which would keep Ohio State out of the conference championship. You know, you mentioned uh, Caleb Williams winning it without getting to the playoff, but he still got to the to the Pac-12 championship game and had a great game. It was just the defense that let him down and, and he was hurt. Uh, and so I think 
you know, by the time that the mission game rolls around, he could have a big game this week and be closer to like three to one plus you know, two to one. Uh, and then that, then I would sell, but um, I don't think he's winning at all because they will not be in the big 10 championship game. And I think Bo Nix and Oregon uh, has been my pick for a while. Um, I think that that will be the ultimate winner and maybe even Daniels can sneak in there. But um, I think at six to one, there, there is uh, some value there. So um, that will do it. Was anything? Was there uh, one, one last? What you want the last word? Read? No, no, no. I just okay. like the six to one value okay. of odd shopping. I, that's on my fault. I brought plus seventy five, four seventy five. So great call by Luke there. Uh, always go and check your check your local books to see which one have the better odds, yeah. especially in futures markets like this. We always say price shop, but uh, but yeah. Thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate your time. I hope everyone uh, enjoyed it. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and we will talk to you next week. 